0: Pastor Jim is ministering at a church in East Kilbride, Um, so his church service started at half past ten, so he'll probably be almost finished, so we trust that he's well and he'll be back with us next week for the baptismal service, but it's good to be here, Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to anyone who's listening on the podcast, Like, thank you for subscribing, it was great to see you, we'd love to see you um, at one of our services, Uh, we start at 11 o'clock in the morning, next week's a great chance to come, but thanks for subscribing, but it's good to be here this morning, it's good to see you. And I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who served last week to help us with Christmas lights switch on. We got a little bit wet at times, but I would rather get a little bit wet than have to do it today when it's like minus five degrees. We would have probably frozen in place. But thank you to everyone, and thank you to everyone who came on Thursday to help set up for Christmas. I would love to take all the credit for it, but I wasn't here, um, because if I was here and responsible, it certainly wouldn't look as good as it does. Now, decorating is not really my forte, but thank you so much for everyone, and thank you so much for everyone who... This given to this. Pastor Willie and I last week, we got the opportunity to be Santa's bodyguard, which was incredible. I've never had that before, so it's definitely going on my CV. Um, so he was fine when I handed him over to the other people. So if Santa doesn't appear at your house this year, it wasn't my fault. He was fine when I left him, to be honest. Um, but this morning, I really wanted to preach kind of along the idea of faith. You see, it's an honor to get to preach, and I want to read some verses from Luke chapter 1, which is just before the Christmas story, because I feel like it's a little bit too far away to actually get into the birth of Jesus yet. But the words will come up uh, in the screen, but it's from Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 25, and then I want to pick out some thoughts. And it says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incest altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. That's a polite way of saying she's old too. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why his take was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service and the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. I'll stop there. I find this passage really interesting because for me, it really talks a bit about faith. And I was thinking about it. Imagine that you've got this dream in your heart that seems impossible, it can no way happen, you've been praying for it, and I'm sure we've all got things that we've been praying for, and praying for, and believing for. An angel then appears, not just any angel, but Gabriel, the messenger angel, one of the top angels, says, by the way, this thing you've been believing for, or hoping for, is going to happen. Now, you might be more spiritual than me, but I'd imagine I would be a bit like Zechariah, who's like, well how is this actually gonna happen? But what we find in this passage is that because that's his reaction, the angel Gabriel decides, do you know what, you're not gonna be able to speak because you didn't believe. And I find that a little bit harsh because imagine if it was you. You're sitting, doing your own thing, you're just, you're actually doing the work of God, you're serving in church basically, that's what Zechariah's doing. God gives you, says we're gonna do the thing you promised, I would be like, well, how is that going to happen? I need a bit more detail than that. And this morning, I felt quite challenged that this idea of faith—that faith impacts how you speak—and it really challenged me because I feel like it's, I feel like God was being a bit harsh to Zechariah. But I remembered I was as I was thinking about it. I remembered in the Bible there's a time years beforehand where. The Israelites are, were in Egypt, and God had taken them out of Egypt, they were God's people, and he had taken them through the Red Sea, the, the sea literally parted for them so they could walk through, and the enemies that were chasing them were wiped out, which is pretty impressive. God fed them while they were on their way to the promised land, he provided everything they needed for this journey, and then they got to the edge of the promise, where God had, if you think about it, God had kind of done all the hard part for them, and they sent twelve spies into Spi land, which seemed like a good plan, and there was ten of them who basically they all saw the same thing, but there was ten of the spies who had this little thing called doubt in their heart. now there was two other spies who saw the same thing and they had faith in their heart and what then happens is the ten voices kind of spread amongst the people, and this doubt starts to creep in and creep in and instead of living by faith they live by doubt now I'm not saying that doubt doesn't exist because we all have doubts doubt's a way of life but the thing about faith is it affects how we speak and what then happens is that a generation of God's people don't get to step into the promise that he had for them because they spoke doubt instead of speaking faith so what then happens is generation goes past and it comes the time when, okay, it's round two. We're ready to go into the promise at this point. And they come to this place called Jericho. And Jericho, the people of Jericho are so afraid of the Israeli God that they've built this big wall to keep them out. And God speaks to Joshua, who's the leader after Moses, who is one of the two, and he basically tells them, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to walk around Jericho for six days, once a day, and you're going to be completely silent. You've not to make a sound. And then on the seventh day, what you're going to do is you're going to walk around it seven times and you're going to make the loudest shout you can possibly make. And As I was reading about Zechariah, I was reminded of this story and I'm not going to say exactly why it happened because I don't know. But I pose the question that God made Zechariah silent, and in the same way he made the Israelites be quiet, is because he knows what we are like. And he knows that our tendency will always be towards doubt rather than faith. Now there are exceptions to the rule, and people who have got incredible faith, who doubt never seems to be a problem for them, but for most of us in the room, we tend to go towards doubt, naturally speaking, than faith. And I think that God's trying to teach us that faith impacts how we speak, but so can doubt. And what I believe God wants to challenge us with this morning is that if we're not going to speak faith in life, we're better not speaking at all. And that's a real challenge for me because I love to talk. <laughs> I love to talk. But faith is fragile. And doubt comes out of nowhere. Disappointment gets it. Well, I was believing for this thing and then it didn't happen and so next time I'm just not going to bother. I believe the Israelites would have started to ask the questions about when is the, like because like when you read it in the Bible, that wall didn't move at all. Like it's not like a brick by brick. One day it gets a little bit easier. Nothing happened. Yet they kept believing by faith and eventually the walls came down. As they lifted up a cry of faith, the walls came tumbling down because faith impacts how we speak and you know there's been times in my life when I've really believed that God was going to do something I've had the faith to believe it no one could tell me they didn't but it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen and there's an incredible passage in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 I was a bit nervous when Lindsay was reading from Hebrews earlier but she's not used my passage where passage I made reference to it last week when there's a list of all these people it's this Heroes of faith, and it says, by faith, such and such, by faith, such, by faith, by faith, by faith. But then it says, all of these people died in faith, not yet having received the promise. And I'm reading that thinking, how is that fair? Faith's supposed to mean that God does what he says he's going to do. And we have this idea that he does do what he says he's going to do. It's just not often the way that we want him to do it. And I've been, I was challenged by it because I really believe that faith is, impacts how we speak. And I remember there was a time when, I want to be real this morning, and it's something that I struggle with is this area of like healing sometimes. Because if you ask me, do I believe that God can heal? 100% God can absolutely heal. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. But when you ask me to pray for you, for God to heal you from uh, cancer that the doctors can't do anything about, that's when faith gets a bit more serious. Because I believe that God can heal, but faith means that I believe that God Well, I remember there's been times when I've believed and I've believed and I've believed, and I've believed, and it's just not happened. And then I've got this choice that I need to make in my head because I believe I've got three options, really. One, I can believe the next time I can just doubt and think, well, God, you've never done it before, so therefore I'm not going to pray for it anymore. But more than that, I'm actually going to actively discourage people from living in faith. I can say that. For me, that's not really an option. The second option is I can just never pray for people to get healed ever again. I can stay silent because if I've got doubts, I'm better being quiet than vocalizing them. Or the last one is that I can still believe by faith that up until the moment when it's too late, that God has got a plan, and I can trust and by faith believe, and I can pray for people, and I can pray for people, and if they don't, it's because God's got a greater plan that I don't understand, and it might be difficult, and I'm not saying please hear what don't hear what I'm not saying, but I believe that God can, and I believe that God still does heal people. I believe that it's not too late till God says that it's too late, and I, but I just I feel challenged sometimes that. It's easy for me to let disappointments creep into my heart, and disappointments can become doubts, and instead of speaking faith, I can start to speak doubt, and I'll be honest, I don't want to be someone who speaks doubt, I want to be someone who speaks faith, but I encourage you this morning, if doubts crept into your heart, the best place to start is to stop talking, and I don't mean that talking to people and be like Zechariah, but I just mean... You're better off not speaking at all if you're just going to speak doubt because doubt is something that we all face. But when, as soon as we vocalize it, that's when it starts to get a grip. I can't help doubt happening to me, but I, can, I can't stop me from having doubts, but I can stop doubts from having me. And the way that we do that is by spending time in God's presence and understanding who he is and actually confessing what his Bible and what his word says over our lives pastor jim said i will walk in your word over me why because i might not be the finished article yet but my bible tells me that god is changing me from one degree of glory to the other the bible says that he who began a good work in me will not stop until it's completed which means i can have the faith to believe that god is working even when it doesn't feel like it even when nothing's happening i need to have the faith to keep going but faith impacts how we speak see we can speak confidently that god will provide for me Why? Because I can look back at his faithfulness so far and believe that he's going to continue to do so. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So I can look back and realize that, God, you were faithful there, so I know that you're going to be faithful here. And it might look differently, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I believe if Zechariah had just read the story about Abraham, he would have realized that God is able to do what you want him to do. So one of the most inspiring things you can do is if you're in a struggle, try and find someone who's been through what you've gone through, so they can tell you, look, God done it for me, because I believe if God done it for someone else, he can do it for you. And what you find is the people who do that, they speak with faith. They don't speak with doubt. One of my favorite parts of the Bible is found in the book of Daniel with these three guys called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm not there yet but I would love to get to this point in my faith. This is like my faith dream. One day I would like to be able to say this with confidence and mean it. We're faced with a situation where they're told to basically bow down before this statue of the king. If you've seen VeggieTales, it's the, the bunny, the chocolate bunny. It's a great one. And, um, but he's basically, they have this, they're told if you don't bow down and worship this statue, we're going to throw you in the fire and you will die. There goes my notes. I'm going to need them if you can help pick it up. And basically they have this situation where they can, and everyone, from what I gather in the story, everyone bows down to worship the king, all of God's people apart from these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And basically they're in this fire and they refuse to bow down before the statue. And they basically say this incredible statement which I would love to get to in my faith. Johnny, where he says, we believe that our God can save us from your fire. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we are still not going to bow down and worship your statue. (laughs) (laughs) What? Now, it's easy to say that over the small things, but if someone pointed a gun at my head right now and said, I'm going to shoot you unless you, I don't. I'd like to think that I would be on, I'd just take the bullet in the head, but I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I'm there yet. (laughs) Yet they make this bold statement, and what happens is they get put on the fire, and the fire's so hot that even those who are trying to make it hotter are dying because of the flames. Yet there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three of them were put in, but they could see four people in the flames. Because the reality is that whenever you attach your faith to God, he's with you through every single situation. Now, the story ends with them coming out of the fire. But the fact that I believe that their faith was so strong that they were just in a place where like, do you know what? Even if God doesn't do what we want him to do, I'm going to worship him anyway. Because for me, that's true faith. You don't say things like that unless you have faith. And I'm sure they had doubts. I'm sure they did. But I believe that faith impacts what we see. Now, uh, the second thing I know is I would say that faith impacts where we go. I don't really like flying. I hate flying. I don't like heights. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling. And therefore, it's easier to fall when you're up high than it is when you're down low. It seems logical to me. So I'm like, it's not the height. I'm not f- afraid of going high. It's just every time I go high, I think, yeah, I'm definitely going to fall so i am the worst you do not want me next to you on a plane because i i feel uncomfortable i'm regularly like i sweat i'm just like i freak out it's horrendous we're not even taking off yet like we're just sitting on the plane and i'm like Whew. i'm not even getting we went on holiday this year and i literally as soon as i got in that plane my bible was out and i was reading i'm like i need every faith verse i can possibly find because i'm just like honestly it was once i'm up i'm okay but see oh it's horrendous but one day I'd love to go, so bad, like I'd love to go to New York City one day, but see the thought of going up the Empire State Building, oh, I, get, I have palpitations in my heart, just the thought of it, never mind even being there. But when I got on the plane, I have faith that the pilot knows what he's doing, or I would not get on the plane. Like, we all have faith in things. If you ever get in a taxi with Greg, you have faith that he knows what he's doing. You have faith that he knows where to go. Whenever you go to work, you have faith that everything you need to do your job will be You have faith that your heating's going to work. You have faith that when you came to church today, that the decorations would be up. You had faith today that the worship team would be... We all have faith in stuff. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't go there. If I didn't have a little bit of faith in the pilot and the plane, I just would never get on the plane. Because if you didn't have faith, you wouldn't do it. Some of you in here have faith that you've been nice enough this year that Santa Claus is going to visit your house. I have faith that he's going to visit mine. I've been a good boy. But I would say that faith and belief are not quite the same thing. Now, my dad asked me this question, and he says, well, what about when it says uh, everyone who believes in the Lord? She was there. I was like, well, it's different believing in and having belief. Because you can believe that God exists without having faith in Jesus. You can believe in a deity or a God, but having faith in Jesus is a different thing. There's this amazing story about a man called Charles Blondin that you might know But he was an acrobat who'd done some ridiculous stunts. And I want you to try and picture this scene. So imagine a tightrope similar to this. I was going to use this as an illustration, but I thought I'm not Charles Blondin, so it'll probably be a disaster. So there's a tightrope that stretches um, a quarter of a mile, which is 1,320 feet, which I tried to look at the church building, and I don't know how I'm not very good at judging distances and heights, but for the purpose of this, we'll say it's like four times the height of the church, maybe five times, so that's how long it was, okay, but it also was 160 feet above Niagara Falls, so it's just a tightrope, now I'm trying to picture, I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I'd imagine it's a bit windy, it's a bit loud, I'd imagine there's some conditions that wouldn't be the best, but basically this guy walked between Canada and America several times back and forth with huge crowds on both sides, he walked across in a sack, don't even know how that's possible, on stilts. Another time he took on a, he rode across on a bicycle, that one really I don't get because it's hard enough trying to ride in a straight line. Once he even carried a stove and cooked an omelette. <laughs> Seems normal. But then on July 15th, Blondin walked backward across the tightrope to Canada and returned pushing a wheelbarrow. The Blondin story is told that it was after pushing the wheelbarrow across while blindfolded that Blondin asked for some audience participation. The crowds had watched and they'd oohed and they'd add and everything like that. They, he had proved that he was able to do it. But now he was asking for a volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow <laughs> and trust him to walk them across to the other side. It is said, so I don't know if it's true, but I really, really hope it is, do you believe that I can carry a person across the wheelbarrow? The crowd shouted, yes, yes. Then he asked, so which one of you wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And nobody did. Later in August of that year, a man called Harry called. he went on his back and went across. But you see, faith impacts where you go, they all believed he could do it, but none of them had the faith to get in the wheelbarrow. And I believe that faith will take you things that belief can never do. Because faith impacts where you go. It takes faith to walk into a battlefield to kill a giant. I believe, and I, again, you can disagree with me if you like, but I believe that most of the Israeli army knew God and believed in God and believed that he could actually help them win the battle. They believed it in their heads, but David had the faith in his heart to say, do you know what, I am going to take a step further than just believe And I'm going to take the faith to step into the battlefield. Even like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But faith makes you walk on water when everything else cries out to stay in the boat. Like faith makes you do things and take you places that you've never been before. Faith makes you build an ark like Noah did when God said it's going to rain. As far as I'm aware, it had never really like, it's rain. it certainly hadn't rained as heavily as that before, but there's no record that I can find of a boat ever even existed, so it's the first time you've ever been told to build an ark or a boat. Faith makes you sing in prison that you're free, even though you're quite clearly chained to the wall. Because faith takes you places that belief never can. Faith makes us start a rise recovery group, because we want to take, we've never done anything like that before, but we want to take this reach message that we have to places we've never taken it before. And Barry and Lorna are stepping out in faith to do that. Faith makes us do things like book extra spaces for conferences because we're believing that we're going to fill them with young people who don't know Jesus. Because your faith takes you places that it impacts where you go. Faith makes you walk through the valley of the shadow of death even though you don't know how much further you have to go. Faith also works in two ways. Faith means that I can look for God for my worth instead of looking for it in other people. Faith means that I go to the Bible and His word instead of going to Facebook when I've got issues and I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm not trying to be negative about any of these things, but I I want to get my help from, my help comes from the Lord. Faith means that I don't go and watch that stuff online and that's not good for me because my faith and my worth is in Jesus and He can break the chains. Faith means I'm going to go and ask my neighbor who I don't really know if they want to come to a baptismal service next week because we want to hear the good news that Jesus has for people. Faith means that I'm going to worship even when I'm feeling a bit broken. Faith makes me go to church even when I don't want to. Faith makes me just sit at Jesus' feet because I know that it's in him that I find my rest. Because faith impacts where we go. So faith impacts how we speak, it impacts where we go. And the final thing about faith, really, is that faith's visible and faith moves. There's a passage that I'm going to read quickly on the screen. It's from Luke chapter 5. It's also recorded in Matthew chapter 8. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. It's a dangerous game to play with Jesus. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier for you to say your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat Matt, sorry, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Wow. So I'm, I'm trying to picture this scene, because I'll be honest, I love reading stories, and then it comes alive in my head. And, and there's these friends now, this, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm trying to work it out in my head. Because these friends clearly have the faith to believe if they can just get their sick friend to Jesus, he can heal them. If they can just get their friend to Jesus, he can save them. And they come to, I don't know if it's a church or a building, we'll call it church for the sake of modern day language. They come and they can't get in. Now if it ended, I would understand if the story ended with these guys came to church, they came to Jesus, they couldn't get in, so they gave up and they said we'll try again next week. I would understand that if that's where the story ended. But it doesn't say that, it says they decided they were going to climb the roof, open the tiles and load them. Their faith was so great that their faith moved them, it was so visible that they, uh, clearly they had a previous discussion that said no matter how long it takes, no matter how much it costs us, no matter what effort is required, we don't care if we look stupid, we are so desperate for our friend to come to the feet of Jesus because he's the only place that we can find healing, that they just decided Do you know what? We'll do whatever it takes. And I believe this morning when I was reading this that I was really challenged. That is my faith so visible to Jesus for his sick people, for his lost people, that I will do whatever it takes for me to get people to the feet of Jesus. Because he's the only one who can save my friends. He's the only one who can heal. He's the only one who can restore. I can't do it. No program can do it. They can maybe help in the short term. But Jesus is the only one who can forgive our sins. He's the only one who can set us free. And their faith was just so great, they were literally willing to do whatever it took. A pastor once said, like God's favorite people are the ones who will do anything short of sin to reach lost people for Jesus. And I was like, what a great way of putting it. And I posed the question this morning that are you and I, Gonna do what, is our faith so strong that we'll do whatever it takes to get people to a baptismal service so they can hear the good news that Jesus is alive? Are we willing to do whatever it takes, even if it costs us, to get people to follow the star? Not because these programs are great, but why? Because Jesus is going to be here. And we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that people get to Jesus. Because he's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can set us free. And it's a challenge to me that this morning I want my faith to be so visible to Jesus and God in heaven that he can see he's doing everything I can he can to reach his lost people. Because the frightening thing for me was that and this was a challenge and I want people I really hope I communicate it so that you hear my heart is that There were some religious people, there were some church people there who were so interested in getting their fix of Jesus that they were in the way of lost people trying to get to Jesus. And it challenged me that God never let me be an obstacle to people coming to the feet of Jesus. Never let my attitude, never let the words I say, never let anything that I do be an obstacle. Because this morning, I believe there's lost people who are desperate to try and get to Jesus. And it's easy once someone's been redeemed and set free and starts behaving the way we want them to behave to make space for them and be, oh, Jesus done an amazing thing. But the way that Jesus is able to do amazing things is sometimes by you and me getting out the way so that we can set people at the feet of Jesus so that he can change their life. Because he's the only one who can. And the worship team can come up if that's okay. And I really don't want to cause offense this morning, that's not my intention. But I just want to challenge us to do whatever it takes to get lost people to the feet of Jesus. And if that means me getting out the way, if it means that church doesn't look the way I want it to look, we don't sing the songs I want, and we, then that's okay. Why? Because as long as Jesus is reaching lost people, then that's really what it's all about. Can we all stand if that's okay? Because this morning I want to pray for us. I want to pray that over this time that will be every invitation we send out will be fruitful and that God will go with us as we do whatever it can, we can, sorry, to get people to the feet of Jesus. Are we able to all close our eyes if that's okay? Father God, I thank you this morning that you're building your church. I thank you that you are still changing lives. I thank you that you're still the, the healer, you're still the savior, God, and I pray help us, Father God, to not just have doubts but to live in faith, to believe that you still change lives and that you still want to reach those who are far from you. This morning you might be in here and you've never, you believe in God's existence but you've never really put your faith in Jesus. See, what you're putting your faith in Jesus is, is really just saying, you know what, I've tried my own way. But Jesus, you're the only one who can set me free. You're the only one who can forgive me for the wrong things I've done. Because Jesus came and he was born and he lived a perfect life and died on a cross that you and I deserved and he was resurrected to show that he can forgive sins here on earth, like he said. And so what I'm gonna do, if you just wanna put your faith in Jesus this morning, I'm just gonna count down three to two to one. And when I get to one, if you can slip your hand up, and then I'll pray. And then we'll sing to close. But if you just want to put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity. But three, two, one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if we can all just say this after me, it's together to make it easy. Thank you, Jesus for dying for me. I stand in your forgiveness. And I have the faith to believe that you're still changing lives. Amen. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall.